All right, our sound engineer. So I'll be a little distracted as I let people in over the course of the next few minutes. Our topic today is podcasting because Reka Basu and I have entered that world with a bang. As of February 14th, we are now officially podcasters. And of course, we don't really know what we're doing. So we brought it. We brought in George A. Clark and Michael Libby, who have combined years of experience, not only in broadcasting, but in podcasting. So I'm going to, uh, again, as I said, be letting people in. But let me uh, let me start with you first, George A. Clark, my old colleague at WHO Radio. Welcome yeah. aboard, sir. Uh, thank you very much, Julie. It's nice to see you all. Nice to see you. Tell me about uh, your podcast and the frequency that you uh, upload and what your experience has been. Yeah, I'm probably best known for my frequency. I just uh, this morning did my 480th uh, podcast. I started this about five years ago. And uh, the one this morning is uh, very reflective of the type of stuff that I have on. I try to kind of do things. I tell people, and Julie knows this better than most, I don't run with the traffic. So I try to put some stuff on here that people aren't getting elsewhere. And this morning's show was with uh, Sergei Tagnarendo. He's a musician friend in Ukraine. He's in Kiev, and he has decided to ride it out. Uh, he sent his family to safety, and he's been in his studio and his apartment since hostilities broke out right at a year ago. And so he was on the show this morning. And Julie and I have talked before about how I decided to do this. I don't want to bore everybody to death, but the long story short on this, I was working with Julie and radio at WHO until I was about in my early 30s. And um, my opinion of myself at that, I was good. I mean, I knew that I could uh, do a lot of things in that world very well, but I couldn't make any money at it. And I had to get out of it for that reason. I became very disillusioned. And I went into the uh, corporate world just basically to feed myself and uh, my young family. And I started to work for uh, magazine publishers. I even sold advertising, if you can believe that, in marketing. I kind of kept my head down, kept my mouth shut politically because I was working for you know, right-wing Republicans that own, own these companies. So I, I couldn't be a partisan. I couldn't, uh, you know, be shouting my political beliefs at work. And so I kind of disassociated myself from it. And then I retired five years ago and thought, you know, I'd like to go back to what I was really good at. And, and it helped me in my marketing career also. But I'd like to go back to this broadcasting thing. Of course, prod- podcasting was going full bore at the time. And I poked my head out and took a look around and, and uh, my God, what happened to the left? Where, where's the left wing? I see the right wing all over the place. The, you know, Trumpies, the Rush Limbaugh, Limbaugh folks from our WHO days, Julie, the Democratic Party didn't look left to me at all. They looked like uh, uh, Reaganites. I mean, I, I thought, where's the anti-war, the pro-climate, the uh you know, the Medicare for all for all audience. Where's this at? So I thought that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna work in that genre because they're not being platformed, they're not on mainstream media. And so that's why I decided that podcast by George would reflect these left-wing views and it would just add to this indie media fabric, this network, this quilt of left-wing voices in the country that are not getting, you're not going to see them, you're not going to hear them anywhere, including me, I guess, in some respects. 
but that's kind of an explanation and again longer than i would have liked but that's that's how that's why i'm here and and why i'm doing what i'm doing george how often uh well what kind of what kind of uh equipment do you use what kind of advice would you have for for people who are thinking about getting into pot george has been trying to get me to do this for what seven or yeah. eight years I bought the equipment. Yeah. He tried to show me how to use it. I just yeah, because you were good. I mean, that's the point. I, you were good on on radio, Julie, and I tried to and to get you. And now that Rec is on there, go ahead and do the video part of it because you, you got you guys are easy on the eyes. You're not old ugly old men like me. He's got to wear a ball cap to hide his bald head. I mean, do people like that? They like to see you. It's why real estate agents always put put themselves in their their ads i mean they know people will look at that they like that i think there's an overemphasis on uh the technical side of it you, you asked about that i to me what you've got is fine i mean it's perfect get a, a microphone that can be heard you know that doesn't have technical issues get yourself seen i would do both for instance when i do my shows they're in video on facebook and youtube but i use a syndicator then that i download from and uh that puts them on audio platforms like uh, itunes and spotify and places like that at the same time so it's very easy to kill two birds at once in, in one stone with one stone but i always encourage people don't get hung up and particularly don't not do this because you're worried about technology go ahead and get started you're your first shows are not going to be any good unless you're somebody from MSNBC that's, you know, doing a podcast or something. I Everybody's got to go through that, but get started. Go ahead and do it and don't worry about the technology. Okay. Rekha has a question and then we're going to go to Michael and have him. Be- I, I, oh, I, I, we'll, we'll be back. Yeah. Hi. Thank you. I actually have a couple of questions, George. How often do you do you actually do a podcast every day? No, uh, during the pandemic, I was doing well, we're still in a pandemic, I think, technically. But, you know, during COVID, during the, the shutdown, the lockdown, I was doing two or three, sometimes three or four a week. Hmm. Uh, but now I'm cutting back a little bit. But if anybody can let me let me see this, uh, Julia, if you can see that, that's a uh, immobilizer. Oh, I have hockey. a Hockey. I have a broken, yeah, I broke a leg uh, playing hockey. So I'm good. I'm back to doing, you know, three, maybe four of these uh, a week, but I've, I've never done one a day. Yeah. And then my other question is, well, so you mentioned bread and butter issues like the ability to afford eating um, in a previous job. How How is this helping your ability to eat? Well, it, it's not. That's a great question, Ray. It isn't. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not joking when I, I, I tell this story. I worked with a guy and Julie may even remember him a little bit. I don't know where he's at or what happened to him. Mike Lee at WHO. He did some news and sports and stuff like that. He was good. He had a good voice. Literally, when I was at WHO, he was working there full time. He went to Aldi's and bought a, maybe not a pallet, but a case of green beans to eat, to get through the month. That's how little that guy was making. I mean, honest to God. So I said about this corporate path that we're talking about, always with an eye, Rekha, of retiring early to, to put enough money together mm-hmm. to where I could do this raise my voice and contribute to this left-wing fabric of America and not have to worry 
about making money with it. I don't, I don't even solicit money. I don't, I don't care anything about that. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't, I don't travel much. Do you accept advertisement? Would you accept advertisements? Uh, I maybe if somebody wanted to, I'd have to vet them and look at it, that type of thing. Uh, But you can sign up for uh, advertising on YouTube when your channel goes live there. I don't even do that. I I just don't care anything about that. I don't need or want them. That's not why I do it, I guess. And final question. Is there, um, are, are a majority of podcasts from the left, would you say? No, no, not at all. They're, they're so there's so many of them. They're so far across the spectrum that I don't know you could even do an accurate uh, accounting for it. I've given it a lot of thought, and maybe we can talk about this later, but I think the way to do a podcast, the way to be successful with one, first and foremost, maybe, and Julie can identify with this, it's kind of like our radio and television days, get in early. Be one of the first people in, just like if you think about local television uh, back in the day, those guys uh, weren't there necessarily because they were good. And I'm mostly saying guys because it was mostly guys. They were there because they got in on uh, television when it was a a, a little box at the state fair and and they were there 30 years later. So get in early and then it helps to do what you two are doing. Come in from an existing platform with a following, with an audience, with quote, unquote, fans like you two women have and parlay that into a successful podcast. That's why I was after you, Julie, to do this so much. I knew that you had this cachet, which I don't have. And that's you look at Joe Rogan, the most popular, biggest podcaster in the world. He came in from that stupid ass reality show Fear Factor. Remember that? And and uh, he was a, a, a cage fighting announcer, but he had that. And think about his demographics, his audience. He he parlayed that audience into where he's at today because he had that going for him when he started. So uh, to me, that's that's podcasting in a nutshell. And again, don't worry about your microphone. Okay, well, let's bring in <laughs> Michael Libby. Let's bring in Michael Libby, and then we'll uh, start taking more questions. Michael, good to have hey, how you. How you doing? Board. You're a professional broadcaster from Fort Dodge as far, as far back as I go. Uh, tell us about right. you, what you're doing now, and your podcast experience. Sure, sure. Thank you. I, I'll answer one of Rick's questions. I do podcast every day, Sunday through um, Friday, as a matter of fact. So my my experience has been in broadcasting. Started in television, and then I realized I had a face for radio, and so I I was in Kentucky at the time, and then I moved into. Illinois, and I was at a couple of stations. My specialty was to take failing radio stations and make them successful, which took me from Illinois to Iowa. And to tell you the truth, I'm originally from Detroit. I didn't even know where Iowa was, wasn't exactly sure that it was part of the United States. And and so when I got a job offer in Fort Dodge, Iowa, I had two opportunities, one in Panama City, Florida, one in Fort Dodge, it's in 1979. And um, when I, it's a great story. So when I called the folks in Panama City and said, got to the part about how much money am I gonna make? And they said, you're really gonna love our studio. We have a state-of-the-art <laughs> studio. And then they said, uh, I said, well, but, but how much? And they said, uh, well, you know, we're two blocks from the beach. And so I, I said, well, uh, let me get back to you. And I called the uh, Chicago Rabbinical Council because I knew there wasn't a synagogue in Panama City. 
And I said, is there a synagogue in Portage, Iowa? And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, there, there is. Well, I had pictured Fort Dodge, Iowa, kind of like F Troop. I thought there was going to be a stockade, Native American Indians, cavalry, and it was west of the Mississippi. What did I know? <laughs> and so anyway, so when I got to the money part on the phone with this guy, um, who Jerry Sheeter was his name, may he rest in peace, great guy, newsman out of Washington, D.C. that uh, came back to Iowa. Um, he said, um, he said, what do you want? And George, you know, you know this. Uh, yeah. uh, nobody asks that question. <laughs> the low ball, yeah, of course. And so I said, uh, it's 1979. I said, 27.5? And Jerry said, done. I said, damn it, I should have asked for 30. So um, anyway, that got me to Fort Dodge and, and I, I worked in radio there. And then I was in long-term health care for 10 years. And then I left there and I was in publishing, magazine publishing. Um, and I, just like George, I tend to be a, a bit of a lefty. And I wrote an article in a magazine that I created. And I got a phone call that said I was fired because the owner of the company was a right-wing guy. So my parting gift years ago, I can't even remember how long, 20 years ago, was uh, I had started an advertising and marketing agency in Des Moines. And my parting gift, because they didn't know anything about that, they said, why don't you just take the ad agency and just take that and go away? So I, I did. Wow. And, and yeah, so it was a nice gift. And so I worked in the area, uh, you know, dog food manufacturers and uh, agriculture and parts, and all kinds of different things. Well, Fast forward to 2010, I think it was, and a friend of mine who was in broadcasting here in Des Moines um, got fired from the last corporate radio station that existed. I mean, they're all corporate now. They have bean counters someplace um, deciding what programs go and what programs don't. And he asked me, he says, hey, what, what, what should I do? I've got an offer to go to Fort Dodge, Iowa. I said, don't do it. Don't do it. They'll eat you alive there. Um why don't you start doing this on the internet, have an internet radio station? And the guy didn't know what I was talking about. So I'm kind of an early adopter. So I showed him what it was. Well, come to find out, we created this, it was called Webcast One Live. And we broadcast out of uh, the kaleidoscope at, at downtown Des Moines. And we, you know, cameras, the whole shot. It was, it was a big deal. We had a, a couple of producers. Uh, we had advertisers. It was going great. Anyway, um, that ended because um, my friend wanted to do a right-wing talk show, and <laughs> you know he was gonna. We had sixty hosts, and he wanted to do a right-wing uh, with Steve Dace, if you if that name sounds uh, familiar. And I said, but he wanted to keep me because I was a professional, and I turned out a great show every day. And I said, so I'm your token Jewish liberal, right? So no, I, I can't do this. I, I, I can't be on that kind of a network. So, um, you know, I left and, and we were sitting around the studio and somebody said, well, you know, there's nobody doing the business news in Des Moines, Iowa. And so I thought about that and there wasn't. I mean, you've got the big show on WHO radio and they talk agriculture, 
but there is nobody in the Des Moines market that has a business show focusing on small, medium, large businesses, interviews, news, stocks of interest. So uh, yeah, why don't we do this? So I bought an hour a day, every day at uh, KRNT, I think, yeah, KRNT, 1350, I think it is, uh, downtown, $1,700 a month. And I went out and got advertisers. And so they advertised on the show. And what I did is I podcasted every single interview. This is, I don't know what year it was, 2013, maybe, 2011, and did that and put it on, on, on Podbean and just, just to have it. We also did video. And so I got thinking about this and, and, and then KRNT switched to an ESPN channel about seven years later. And they said, hey, Michael, your show's not going to work here because this is sports. I said, okay, what do you got? Well, we've got this other AM signal. And, and by the way, the signal at 1350 KRNT was really Pope County. You couldn't get that really outside of Polk County. And so I was very localized uh, with the podcast and the radio show. And so they said, we've got this AM station. It's AM 940. And it was a much bigger... What? Oh, 940 was a huge station when Julie and I were kids. Boy, that's KIOA. It used to be to us. Exactly. And so that signal went from you know, Greenfield to Iowa City and I-80 down to the Minnesota border or uh, the Missouri border. And so they said, yeah, you can go here. I said, well, what kind of listeners do you have? Because it was a Christian radio station. And they said, oh, 10 to 13,000. Hmm. I said, wow, that's, that's pretty good. I guess Christians need to know something about business too. So I said, sign me up. And so I was there about eight months and I, you know, I, this is in my first rodeo, and it was like I would throw things out, and I wouldn't get any response, and so about six or eight months later, I went in, and I said, hey, how many listeners do you really have between 5 and 6 p.m., Monday through Friday, or just on a weekday? And they said, no, oh, three, maybe 500, and I said, I can do that with a bullhorn on, on, on Grand uh, Sculpture Park. <laughs> And, and so I said, I'm paying you guys $1,700 for this. So it was, it, it, I went back to my podcasts that I had been putting up for years. And I saw that I was getting, you know, 10, 12,000 downloads a day. And I said, well, what am I doing? I get 300 or 500 here and I get 10,000 over here. So we left the radio and it was the biggest opportunity that I've ever had. Because then we were able, and even today, and I'm off today but because the markets are closed, by the way, which is kind of cool. I got a day off. Um, because it expanded my reach. Now I, I podcast business leaders from all over the world. And, you know, with the ad, when the pandemic hit, you know, I was doing a lot of this stuff wherever I would travel. I also work for an international company in business development. But wherever I would travel in the United States or Canada or wherever, I would find those interesting business stories and interview people. Well, when the pandemic hit and we were shut down, my son and I were sitting here going, well, what the hell are we going to do? And a long story, and I'm so sorry about this. We'll get into questions. But um, he said, well, Dad, why don't you use Zoom? 
and do your interviews with that. And I say, yeah, maybe that then opened up a whole door of opportunities because now I can sit in my studio and talk to anybody anywhere, just like you did in Kiev. And so, um, George, and, and and so it's it's now developed. Uh, again, we I, I'm also carried on News Talk 1540 KXEL in Waterloo each Sunday. Uh, the uh, program director, news director, thinks my show is great, and so he has given me an hour a day on Sunday, and not, not an hour a day, but on Sunday, noon to uh, one, and I do the business news headlines uh, week in review with whatever interviews I've gotten. So that that's kind of, and we've morphed now, I guess we're doing, I, I don't really, I can't keep track of everything. Uh, I, I, 30, 40,000 downloads a day, something like that. Uh, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind. I spend four to five hours a day on the show every day. And there are days that you don't feel like doing it. But anyway, I, and I have advertisers. I do accept advertising. And uh, they've been with me for years. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. What do we focus on? Strictly business. I don't do politics. Although I'll have some politicians in from time to time. But I tell them, I don't want to talk about this crap about, you know, culture wars and all this other Michigas. I want to talk about your relationship to business, small business, large business, whatever it happens to be. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I will do that, but I don't give platforms for the hot button issues because I, while I'm political, I don't do politics on the show. I have I'm done. A Sorry. No, that was very good. Uh, those of you who are on the call, physically raise your hand, if you would, please, if you listen to podcasts. Have you ever listened to a podcast? <laughs> I'm just curious. Just curious. Okay. Interesting. All right. We have a couple of questions. Oh, I, Rick, I have a question for you. How does my audio sound compared to George and Mike? I'm not using, I'm not using any kind of external microphone. Is it the same or is their microphone better? It's a good question. I wasn't really focusing on that, but I think that theirs are a bit better. Okay. What do you think, James? Yeah, I can tell a difference. It's just, uh, you know, the it's it, the sound is just not as rich. It's a little bit tinny, I guess, is how I would put it. Julie, okay. don't worry about your mic. <laughs> well, you. We people, they, you can't believe how people get uh, wound up in that stuff. You can you make a lifetime out of that. I, it sounds great. You look great. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> all right all right by the way james hamilton is our executive producer for what the hell happened to <laughs> i don't know how executive oh no. what the hell? he's our producer. <laughs> yeah. our producer what are you paying him julie <laughs> uh well we are paying him actually we are good yeah good. absolutely yeah, we believe in that job titles no <laughs> i'm kidding yeah i i, I should I should have mentioned also, I didn't, the, and to Rekha's question about the money, I, this gives me the ability to do other things. I do a, a live stream on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday at 530, uh, which goes out on YouTube and Facebook for Above and Beyond Cancer with, in conjunction with Mercy One. Oh. And uh, I'm not on screen. I'm not the uh, talent on this show. I just uh, produce it. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm making money from this kind of stuff that way, if you want to look at it. I just wanted to throw that in there, so... Okay. Barry Pyatt, you have a question. 
and you're on mute. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, actually, I have two of them. Um, the first one is the easiest one for someone who's uh, just starting out. You know, I mean, I heard that you have uh, daily downloads of thirty to forty thousand, and I'm like, oh my god! Uh, you know, I thought I was doing pretty hot when I had my podcast, and I was getting two thousand listeners a week um, for my weekly show, and that maybe that's not anything. So, my first question is, what is for anybody like anybody on this? Um, on on this screen today what would be uh, a target to shoot for um if you're starting up a, a podcast for like the first six months or something and then my second question is uh when you talked about these other platforms um like uh apple or um spotify or that kind of thing how do you get on those i mean is that something that you you need to uh, do you just sign up for it like you do YouTube or do you need to make, do, do an agreement with them? If, if I can, if I can, let me see if I can help a little bit there. There's something out there called Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, yeah. Podbean. And they are an aggregator of podcasts. And what they do is they automatically, it costs, I can't remember how much. $200 a year, $300 a year, something like that. And uh, it's an aggregator. And what they do is they feed Spotify, Apple, on and on and on and on um, your podcast. So with one click into one aggregator, uh, you can get on all of those things. Uh, some, some require maybe a little massaging maybe they're going to ask you some questions or something i i don't know but that's what we've we've used podbean for years and it works pretty good for us as far as your audience goes um look i so when i interview somebody i don't know whoever it is you know they have a built-in audience i i just interviewed um uh, it, it's a kind of a local iowa story but it's called Uplift Iowa. This is the guaranteed income program that's uh, being fostered out of the Harkin Institute near Drake. And it's really, it, it's $500 a, a month to families who have a, will be applying for this. And it's a fascinating story. I saw, yeah. uh, this has been replicated in several places. Well, anyway, after I do those interviews and I send, always send the link to whoever I've been talking to and with a with a to-do list if they really want to get a, a great audience <laughs> share that with their social media people so not only am i sharing it but my guests are then sharing it on on their social media which is you know which then doubles the opportunity because somebody out there may never have heard of me you know, but they, they know this person. And so they share that. And then that builds on my credibility and also my listenership. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, that's the way I've done it anyway. And, and Barry, what I would say, and I'm completely different. I kind of started off this way. I, I, I don't care about downloads very much at all because I'm not in for the revenue or the advertising. As an example, my largest downloaded episodes uh, are like Jody Husentrude. I mean, I got 15, 20,000 downloads, got 10,000, I think, on YouTube alone 
for that. Um, I did a show on Beaker Street, kind of an old-time radio show. Julie would know what that is. Maybe some of our other uh, viewers do also. It got a huge response. But I didn't chase the, you know, I didn't do a cold case podcast beyond that or an old-timey radio podcast beyond that. My deal really is contributing to this left wing that isn't being represented that's found on indie, indie media shows in small download numbers, by and large, like myself that you know that's what i'm trying to do here how i'm trying to contribute and the other thing is uh and michael's right about those syndicators i use one called libsyn if you want to make a note on that sure. l-i-b-s-y-n same kind of thing um you have to have some you know you can't be a luddite and use these things but you can muddle your way through that it costs me like uh 20 dollars a month or something like that to get me on all the uh audio uh platforms and i stream with Streamyard on uh, Facebook and YouTube. That's where I go live in video. That doesn't require a syndicator at all. You just have to use StreamYard and you can get on Facebook and YouTube free with StreamYard uh, without a syndicator. So uh, that would be the other thing that I would check out, StreamYard.com and then Libsyn.com for, for reach. Barry, did you have a follow-up? No, that answered both my questions. Right. So thank you. James, you have your hand raised. Ah, thank you. I um, I'm just curious: Were either of you working in Fort Dodge when that someone cut one of the guy wires and the radio tower collapsed? I I remember that. I lived in Fort Dodge for five years, and I, I was interested in Michael's comments. Uh, matter of fact, I was trying to get back to Des Moines for employment. Uh, I, I came from Minneapolis, and my first stop was in Fort Dodge. I had personal reasons to get back here as quickly as possible. won't go into that. I could not get out of Fort Dodge, uh, honest to God. If you're in Fort Dodge and you're in front of an employer, you can almost, in Des Moines, for instance, or any place else, but even Des Moines, you can almost see the calculus. What are you doing in Fort Dodge? Why are you there? Why would I want to hire somebody from Fort Dodge? Not that you're a loser, but that's kind of like a black hole and abyss that I couldn't get out of. Uh, oh, Fort so Dodge I, I, is a I, nice you know, town. Come on. Uh, it's a nice town, but I'm telling you, not if you want to move up anywhere or get out, because that's how they looked at me. I mean, I would have interviews uh, with in, prospective employers in Des Moines and, and the HR person to be sitting there taking notes. God, this is great. You, you, can I have our marketing director come in and, and, and listen to this? Yeah. Bring them in. All, yeah. The Fort Dodge thing was a, it was a deal killer. I'm oh, telling you, I couldn't Lord. get out of there. Ah, well, I did eventually. Uh, yeah. George, when, when were you there? <laughs> Let's see. I would have been in Fort Dodge uh, from uh, 19. Let me think now I got to back. Uh, about 1990 to about 1995 okay could not could not extricate myself could not free myself my god i i finally did so here i am yeah you know not to not to harp on fort dodge but yeah really, really i like fort dodge come on well, i like it i'm just talking about the employment thing it's a great small town yeah. if and if you have any uh assets anywhere with all at all it's a great place to be because people are pretty modest up there and it's very comfortable the yards are big the community is nice they got good yeah. schools oh I, I don't have anything against fort dodge proper i'm just talking about trying to get hired out of there okay yeah, I, I i don't i don't know you know one of the things um and again when i was when i was there in 1979 and i would have been there in fort dodge uh george when you were there uh, hmm. i was ceo of uh, friendship haven and um, 
but but I have to tell you, they've been through some really tough economic times. As soon oh, as, boy. Yeah, it's it, it's really been dreadful. And, you know, I, anyway, it's, it's been dreadful. Okay, I'm going to play. And, I'm going to play talk show host here and, and get the uh, train back on the tracks here. Sorry. Can I ask no, one no, other no, question? No, no, no more this in Fort Dodge. Uh, Michael. <laughs> Yeah. Michael, Michael, George, what do you know about demographics and podcast listeners? Is it impacting regular uh, traditional media, radio? If so, how? Well, I get the short answer would be definitely. It's a younger audience, which everybody wants by and large. It's been thought of that way. Uh, there are demographics to support a podcast in any category if you're thinking about getting into it. But yeah, it, I mean, they want that younger audience. And and you can't overstate that. I mentioned him earlier, the significance of Joe Rogan in his space. My my God. Uh, and look at his demographics and his uh, audience size and that type of thing. Uh, advertisers are lusting after that. What about you, Michael? I, well, again, I, my 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 demographics tend to be uh, older and male. Um, just tend to be that way because I think that's what I talk about. But what's really interesting is is the ability to to do a podcast versus a let's say a video cast because I can listen while riding a bike. I can listen while driving a car. I don't have to focus on the video screen. I can take that podcast to wherever. And one of the interesting things, I did a, a podcast uh, maybe a year and a half ago. It was with a, um, a company that had a, made an acquisition of a company in the United States and Canada. And so we were talking about business acquisitions and their role in all of this. I know this sounds really boring, right? But but to a business guy, I just I, I really get off on this stuff. Anyway, I had for I had put it up on the bird, the the, the pod bean, and thirty seconds later, I realized I hadn't linked something to that, and so I went back, and it had already been downloaded multiple times in Finland, uh, Germany, and uh, someplace else, another country. That's about a year and a half ago. And I went, whoa, you got to be kidding me. So I, I think the real magic of podcasting is that it's accessible. Your audio is accessible. And, and uh, George, are you using a Yeti microphone? Uh, no, <laughs> it cracks me up that people are so interested in microphones. This is a, a Shure MV7. It's got it. a, yeah. Got it. I have a Yeti, but I can't figure out how to make it work. We'll, we'll make it work for you. I know how to make that work. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I, you know, that's just my experience. Now, okay. if you're thinking about getting into podcasting, just like George said, do it. I, it, it just, but here, be mindful of this. To do a good, listenable piece, there's all kinds of things that go into that. And, I mean, from the right, you know, Julie would know, uh, Reka would know, um, I, I write my script. Every day, all right? I stop my real job at about 2.30 in the afternoon, write my script, and then at about 3.30, after the market's closed, then I'll put up a one-minute video on Instagram and all over the place. These are the things we're talking about today. And, and, and then I actually go ahead and finish the recording, 
and I attempt to get it out in the five o'clock central time period. But it's not a one-off. I will continue to, to share that on social media, specifically uh, on Twitter, uh, every hour on the hour up until midnight. And then I'll come back the next morning and share that again on LinkedIn and several other places. And so I, I just, I can't overestimate or over- Emphasize. Overstate. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it just takes a hell of a long time. You know, and um, it just takes time. Michael, that's what? one of the reasons. There's maybe 500,000 podcasts out there, but nearly half of them are started podcasts. And the host gets into this and figures out that, wait a minute, this has taken four or five hours of my time every week or whatever their, their frequency is. And they go, I'm done. I, you know, I'm not making any money. And, you know, so, yeah, good on you. George, that you're able to do this. Well, and, and Julie, if I can, uh, I, I, I haven't used Zoom for a couple of years. So I, this is a little uh, clip that I have. It's uh, only 50 seconds long, but this kind of illustrates what my show is about. And my show is all about the guests. And I tell people that all the time. Nobody would tune in to hear what I have to say, like Michael's content with his business information. is, And that's what you got to focus on. Nobody wants to hear me talk particularly about me because i'm just not that interesting and nobody knows about me but let me see if i can get this to play i'm, I'm not sure it will yeah uh, maybe it didn't play no uh, sound uh no sound okay see i haven't used uh, zoom for a long time me... it's just sharing your screen Oh, okay. So it's not coming up. Okay. My apologies for that. Let me get back. No here. problem. No problem. Yeah. But anyway, okay. Oh, that, I get well, so screen question sharing. to both of you, go ahead and get out of screen share there, George. And question to both of you is, um, is there any return on investment of your time? Michael? In my case, yes. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 Considering the equipment that I have, there better be. Um, <laughs> you know, I like that. I, I, I sent you, uh, Julie, a bit ago, uh, just a simple shot of my main studio. Um, I sent that to you on, on, um, in an email. Yes. And, yeah, and I, if you want to show that, uh, I don't know if you can or if you can grab that. But for all the equipment I have, and when I go out traveling around wherever I'm traveling, um, I put all this equipment in a suitcase and I travel with this all over. And I just got back from Nashville uh, three weeks ago. I was there for a week and did the show there from there. So I have all this stuff that I carry with me all over the place. And so, yeah, that's yeah. This is your. I better be. This is your portable studio. Oh my God, that makes my palms sweat. Just thinking about <laughs> how how do you do that? Okay, well, so uh, let me share what we've done <clears throat> so far. I don't know how do I get back to Zoom. Ah, um, no, that's FaceTime. Shoot. Uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Stop share. There we go. Okay, sorry. So. I'm familiar with the Substack 
app, of course, having been writing a column on it for a couple of years. And they came out with a podcast feature. So that's what, because with a built-in audience, um, we launched the podcast there. Also, the Cedar Rapids Gazette is going to be picking it up. And so is Capital Dispatch. Um, There's also a a way to upload uh, to all the the RSS feed to the other uh, services, like what you're talking about. Podbean does automatically. We don't, I, I don't I haven't figured out how to do that automatically, but the top top podcast venues uh cover it. The nice thing about the, the Substack platform is that people can subscribe and become paid subscribers if they want to. We don't require it, obviously, but we brought in enough uh paid subscribers in the first week or so to uh to keep us going for for a while and i don't know if that'll continue i hope it does but we're just getting started we're 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 uh, about three thousand views having having just launched february 14th so i think that's i think that's a pretty good start yep. that's a great start uh and what i like about that the most isn't the revenue that it generates. Oh, good on you for that. It's the fact that those people have some skin in the game. Now they're connected. I mean, they've committed. Uh, some of them have given you money, but even if they signed up for free, I mean, that's a great thing to have. That's how you build listenership and loyalty and all those things that you want. So that's great, Julie. And also what I like about it is that they can dialogue in the comments section. Yes. So and in future episodes, Rake and I are going to be reading from those comments and 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 that engagement. So I pass that along to you and anybody else who might be thinking about it. Any of you thinking about starting a podcast? Uh, Kirk, how about you? Anybody raise your hand if you've been thinking about starting a podcast. Barry, okay, unmute and tell me what you're thinking. Well, I had a podcast uh, that I did uh, on a couple of different platforms on politics. It was called Barry Pyatt's Political Goose Chase. And uh <laughs> I, I I did it weekly. Uh, I look back and really laugh at this. It was a half hour show. Um, and I don't think there are a whole lot of half hour podcasts out there, but, um, oh, yeah. but I had a lot of fun. doing. It. Uh, and I had, uh, as I say, I, I had a, a good two, sometimes uh, even more than 2000 uh, people uh, coming in and listening to it for when I first started it, you had to actually tune in to catch it. Um, I, I didn't have a way to, uh, have it on demand, but I finally figured that out. Um, and as I say, you know, the, the audience was, uh, I thought pretty good, but apparently not. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun doing it and, and it was a way to get my views up. Julie, I remember when I first started, uh, commenting on Facebook, somebody once said that I was kind of hot and you said, well, he's, he's, uh, been working on the hill in a staff position he's off the leash now so watch out <laughs> and uh, that that's one of the things that i liked uh, i like about doing the podcast is uh, i'm off the leash i can say um and the substack column as well uh, i can say whatever i want to say and you know and i spent my entire career not saying what i wanted to say right right so those of you on the call, I'm really curious about what kind of podcasts you listen to. What do you look for? What do you want to see in a podcast? How much time do you look for? 
what content are you interested in? I, podcasts I listen to only when I'm driving um, or I can't sleep. And then I put the headset on and I go right to sleep when I start listening to a podcast. But I'm not a big podcast listener, nor was I a big talk radio listener when I did it. So um, I'm curious, those of you who do listen, what do you like? What what would you tune into? What works in your opinion? Oh, Mary Swander's on the call. You you do podcasting. Hey, come on, join in the join in the conversation. Tell me about your experience. Hello. Um hello. Hold on here. Lunch. It's been um great. I love doing the podcast. And mine um uh is it's about um the rural environment, the Amish. Um and uh, sustainability, and I, I do subversive politics in <laughs> within that podcast. If you ever listen to it, people think that's hilarious, and um, I get a great response. I don't get into the you know the numbers that we're talking about here, but I get a lot of I get a lot of comments and. Uh, back and forth and it's fun and now I've got the subject pages playing into the into the podcast anyway Mary Swander's Buggy Land and tune in uh Doug Burns says it's it's Prairie Home Companion without the sexual harassment (laughs) so there you go I'm not harassing anybody on that. <laughs> you know, what I say on my show all the time, Mary, is if we had followed the lead of the hippies and or the Amish as an example, the world would be a hell of a lot better off, could not be any worse off, certainly, than we are today. So I, I like what you're saying. Oh, I, I live right in the middle of the old order Amish community, and and I'm in a, in a very privileged spot because, you know, they don't want to have anything to do with the outside world, but, but neighbors are okay. And so a lot of my listeners have said, this is incredible. I've always been interested in that kind of sustainability, but you're the only one I know that has access and you're able to interpret it for the rest of us. It's really so, fascinating. Uh, George, Michael, I encourage you to invite Mary on as a guest sometime. Her um, her stories are amazing. I just love them. Okay, let's see. Bob Leonard, where'd you go? I, oh, I'd love to hear so, from you because you're a radio guy currently. Where uh, are in you? Knoxville, Indianola. Out of my alma mater. He, uh, he's heard on the uh, station that I first started on down here in Indianola. <laughs> well, thanks, George. I Well, First, I listen to all of you and uh, very much appreciate it. I used to listen to Michael on the radio. He had me as a guest on once. Uh, George, I can't remember if we've done anything or not. You've been on my show. Yeah, you were talking about uh, yard signs, political yard signs on my show. Oh, that's right. I remember. Uh, It was at a time when I was getting a lot of uh, press attention. I don't know. I think you're all doing a great job. I just... um, I listen to Mary's on my walk every morning uh, when she's got a new one out, which is fun. I just think it's a remarkable opportunity. I think that, oh, anything that y'all can do to help each other is good. It's the whole Substack model, I think. And um, 
I've really enjoyed that. And I really don't know what else to say. I think I'm, I really agree with George in that I don't worry a lot about the mic. I don't have, um, I don't have producers. I just, ha I just have me and I just go with what I do. I carry my bag around everywhere I go like Michael and you just, you just go with it. If something's good, I'll put it. I have to produce something five days a week and I try to make it as good as I can, as interesting as I can. And like George says, um, it's not about me. I don't know enough to have it be about me. And so there's experts everywhere around us. So why not talk to them? Why not highlight them? Um, there's lots of great stories around and, and they're in all kinds of places. So yeah. I just Rob, think, yeah. Robert I, and, and George, just a question for both of you. Um, my experience is that I learn probably more than my listeners do uh, every day uh, because there are so many fascinating stories out there. Uh, would you agree that, that you, you, you uncover things and you learn stuff uh, oh. simply by doing your podcast or your radio? Two things. Uh, and Julie can appreciate this again. I keep talking about I wish we could just do a show on the old days, but yeah, I was the live reporter at WHO. So I get to do that. I did a live interview the next morning down in Fort Myers beach, Florida with a city councilman that was standing on the second floor of his home and the water was coming up around his neck. Literally. He's, I mean, that's how close it was for him. And I asked the dude, I said, man, did you ever think about evacuating? Why didn't you? And his response to that was great. I would encourage everybody to go back and look at that episode. But I get an opportunity to do those types of things. That's the deep, dark secret of podcasting. Yeah. Uh, one of the big benefits and reason to do this, uh, a month or two ago, I got to interview the great Chris Hedges, Pulitzer Prize winning author. I mean, an, uh, a huge anti-war. I mean, this guy's like an idol of mine. Yeah, I, I get to do those types of things with the podcast. So not only do I learn from them, I get to Matthew Hose on my show all the time. He and I have become friends. Hell, I get to be on a first name, name basis with some of these people, get to become friends even. I mean, that is a great thing about the podcast, learning and then making these connections. It's a wonderful thing. Rick, you have a question? Oh, you're on, you're on mute, sweetie. Yeah, I'm unmuted. Thanks. Um, this is a question for the two of you, Michael and George, but also for anyone who listens to podcasts. Um, my greatest exposure to podcasts before we started this, Julie, was finite ones, where there was a particular story that unfolded over a period of weeks or segments, and then it was over. Is that the predominant model or are the more predominant models the ones that are open-ended, will we'll go on regularly? And which is more, maybe which is more popular? Yeah, when you uh, use the syndicator that I use, Libsyn, you have to indicate whether or not your shows are episodic like that, mm -hmm. where people want to listen from beginning to end, or if they're a show where you can just jump in any place. My my show is kind of, you can jump in anywhere, but there's room again in this space for both types. Um, I don't have a preference uh, for uh, one or the other. I don't listen to episodic shows, but uh, like these cold case uh, shows that are so popular, they're kind of that way. Um, you know, so I, I, I get that. I, I'm not, don't know if I'm answering your question, but, the, the, that's what I understand. Got it. Yes. Thank you. And mine are not episodic either. They're it's the news of the news headlines of the day. 
uh, along with whatever interviews I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't do episodes. But I do. There is something I do that's different and unique. I was in D.C. maybe four years ago, and I was walking down the street, and I saw some folks carrying some audio equipment into a restaurant. And uh, so I went in to the restaurant, and there at a table was Major Garrett. Uh, I think uh, NBC, maybe? I can't quite remember, but he's he's a Washington correspondent. And he was sitting at this table, and so I'm shy and withdrawn. And so I walked up to him and I said, hey, Major, what are you doing? And he says, oh, this is uh, takeout. I said, what, what, what's takeout? It is, it's a podcast that I do. I invite politicians and we sit down for lunch and uh, we, we just I record the whole thing. And then I put it out there and it's called takeout. And I looked at that. And I'm going, I am stealing this as soon as I get back to Iowa. So I do kind of these episodes where I'll take a thought leader, whomever that thought leader is, and go out to lunch with them and actually sit in a dining room. I have signage around and I have little cards for the wait staff. You know, somebody comes in and there's a studio um, light and, and anyway, you know, they say, what's going on? They hand them the card, my QR codes on that and everything. But I'll spend an hour with somebody. I did John Norwood uh, prior to the election, and I, yeah, I was—I I knew who John Norwood was, but I had no idea his depth of knowledge on so many things. And so we spent an hour together. And what's really nice is the restaurant picks up the lunch tab, which is kind of cool. And uh, but I've been doing this for now for well, and then of course pandemic. But we started this back up again, I think in. October, maybe September. And that's so, yeah, that's kind of fun. So I guess in an episodic way, that's maybe something that we do. Okay. We have, now we have three questions. Wouldn't you know it? We only have a few minutes left. Nikki Schissel, you're up first. Hi, thanks, Julie. Um, I've been listening to podcasts for about a year, uh, but I only knew of, um, like, I've listened to uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Audie Cornish, uh, The Daily Show. Uh, I did a Death of the Artist, which was a series of, you know, contained, I don't know, six or seven episodes. But And so that's all I wanted to reply was that um, there's so much out there. It's really hard to sort through to find. I did find you, Julie and Rekha, and I did listen and I enjoyed it immensely, but it is hard. I uh, subscribe to Spotify and that's where I find whatever I'm watching, listening. Okay. Great. Thank you. Artis, you're next. If you go to bankerstrust.com, you'll see a series of podcasts that are done by my daughter, whose name is Emily Abbas, and she's uh, one of the vice presidents there at Bankers Trust. Her podcast is called Community Difference Makers, and she interviews people who are leading nonprofit organizations in this area. And then more recently, she also has not only the head of that organization, but also a volunteer who volunteers for that organization. And they tell what the organization does, how they got involved. Um, And she probably has about maybe 30 of them posted on the bankerstrust.com community difference makers. So it's a great idea. Thank you. 
Terry. Here. Yeah, you know, I, I'm listening to all of this and I'm I'm saying that uh, uh, usually the people that are podcasting are people who have a have a, a uh, are good radio people. Um, what 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 happens to the guy who you know? I'd like to have a I'd like to have a, a voice trend from from Michael or or from George uh, because your voices carry and and demand response and speak with authority. And um, so what what is what are the what people are not qualified to do podcasts? podcasts uh, not not all radio people right? Right. i work with some people in radio it's like yeah. uh, they're like musicians that can't carry a tune matter of fact that had a lot to do with my reason to get into this i uh, toured a radio station that i used to work at uh when i was at retirement age trying to figure out what i was going to do for funsies and i saw what they were doing I went, my god you guys suck i mean you haven't gotten any better since i was in this way back in the day this is i can do this better uh without trying and matter of fact they tried to hire me it's not a station that julie knows about so i'm not talking about who here but um yeah radio is not necessarily a pre-qualification you know um when i was in marketing and sales the best uh they've done surveys before the best salespeople, the best marketing people weren't people with sales and marketing degrees they were people with theater degrees because they had the ability to present they had the ability to be empathetic, you know, those types of qualities. And of course, you've got to be able to roll off the tongue a little bit, but that's what makes for good podcasting. I, that's the background. So some radio people do, to your point. Yeah, that, that's for sure. But a lot of radio people don't. So I wouldn't use that as a precursor at all. And Bob Leonard could agree with that. And I'm sure Michael, too. Well, I'm just saying that you guys have voices that, that would go on radios and else place. Wherever you're at, you command attention. And uh, um, I just, you know, the radio or not, uh, there are some voices that are better for and, and expressions that are better for pod podcasting than others. Well, I'm a big mouth. No doubt about that. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, one of the things that, you know, I, I've been, I've been voice trained. That's, that's what school was all about. And I, you know, I've just been blessed with the opportunity to string words together and try to make sense. But to your point, I think interesting podcast hosts can have any kind of a voice. If the content is, is important to the listener, it doesn't matter. But I think there's ways that you can string a podcast together that you'll command listenership and no long intros, you know, no, just get to the point and make it compelling. Just like if we were to write for newspaper or radio, uh, whatever it has, television, uh, make it compelling and people will tune in. Okay, Bob Leonard. Subtitle. Oh, I was gonna, just going to say, Bob, you had your hand raised. I'm, I'm hoping I know what you're going to be talking about. Well, I just, I just want to say that I'm grateful that it doesn't have to be your voice. I mean, yeah. my voice is my voice. It's all I've got. It's the only instrument I have. Um, and I want to say the episodic ones are brilliant. I love them. I mean, I like all kinds, but most of us don't have a team uh, to pull together something like that. They have to be scripted, nice story arc, nice conclusions, make a real point. 
lots of emotion. They're all really good. They take a lot of work. You can do the same kinds of things with interviewing people. Um, and I want to say that there's a difference. There's You notice the commonality here amongst all of us, the people that do this. It's not about us. We don't know everything. It's about the guests. Now, that's the difference. I'm just going to assert from left wing kinds of things versus right wing, because if I if we act like we know everything, that's not how we approach the world. The Rush Limbaugh's, the Sean Hannity's, the Tucker Carlson's, those are the guys that know everything. And that's where they get caught up in the BS and lies, because nobody knows everything. Some of us don't know a whole lot at all. Uh-huh. Yes, well said. What I was hoping you might talk about is a network, a collaborative network of podcasting. Where are you on that topic? Well, I would like I would like to pull it together. I think that if uh, I think that I'm identifying people, I'm hoping George and Mike will be interested. Julie has whenever Julie tries to twist my arm, I've learned it's important to yield and do what she wants you to do because it's a good thing. And so she would like for me to pull together some Iowa podcasters to do the same kind of substack model that that she has pulled together for our writings. And so just stay tuned. Okay, good. And on that note, we are at the one o'clock hour. Thank you all so much for participating in this conversation. We go into breakout rooms for about five minutes after this so that folks can get to know one another. And uh, that's what we're going to do right now. George, Michael, stay on the call if you want to. You don't have to. But here we go. We're heading into breakout rooms. All right, here we go. We'll join this.